I was the lion. And as Shasta gaped with open mouth and said nothing, the voice continued. I was the lion who forced you to join with Erebus. I was the cat who comforted you among the houses of the dead. I was the lion who drove the jackals from you while you slept. I was the lion who gave the horses the new strength of fear for the last mile so that you should reach King Loon in time. And I was the lion you do not remember, who pushed the boat in which you lay, a child near death, so that it came to shore where a man sat, wakeful at midnight, to receive you. Welcome to the Chronicles of Podcast, where we're doing a chapter-by-chapter deep dive into the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis. I'm Chase. Ooh, my bad. I I tried to jump the gun on you there. You're Chase, and I'm Kel. Am I Chase? Or are you a dancer? Am I Aslan? I am that girl. I I am myself. You're yourself. I'm myself. You're Chase. I'm Kel. Well, whoever you are, listener, thank you for joining us. <laughs> Just a reminder that today we're talking about the third book in the series, The Horse and His Boy, but general general spoiler warning for the whole Narnia series, as well as a heads up that we do go on tangents into other stories we enjoy. We'll do our best to give spoiler warnings along the way if there's anything too far out there. But today we are discussing The Horse and His Boy, Chapter 11, The Unwelcome Fellow Traveler. I guess he's unwelcome, but I mean, yeah. it's, he seems welcome to me. He seems pretty welcome. He also, I mean, traveler... Te- teleporter eh, we'll, we'll see it's we'll, we'll get to there maybe the, the chapter knows. title was misleading if anything. it's a weird c.s lewis really needs to work on his chapter titles i'm not a fan uh in general of his of his chapter titles but whatever so chase let me uh, start us off with a summary uh after i almost rudely interrupted you and by rudely or almost i mean i did completely rudely interrupt you uh but summary time so shasta runs out of the gate and finds himself running up a slope into some trees. His limbs shook, his side ached, sweat drooped into his eyes, and he nearly turned his ankle more than once. Suddenly he heard a horn like a merry call, and he came out into a glade and a crowd of people in hunting dress, and among them a jolly, twinkling-eyed king who opened his arms to Shasta, exclaiming, Corin, my son on foot and in rags, what? Uh, but Shasta stops him and explains that he's not Corin. They met in Tashpan, but they need to fly and close the gate because enemies are coming. Says he saw them with his own eyes. They raced them from Tashpan. Him on foot, of course, because he's a man. One was a boy with no shoes. Uh, and that his horses are with the hermit. The king believes him, and they offer Shasta a horse to ride with him. Shasta mounts the horse like a noble rider, and the king eyes him curiously after noting something about the potential of noble blood. I wonder if there's anything there. The host rode into a fog, and Shasta lost his way when uh, he then heard Rabidash's cavalry coming. He overheard Rabidash commanding to take uh, Anvar to the castle of Archenland within the hour, killing every barbarian they can find, the men and the children, uh, but going through Narnia not to shed any blood there. Uh, the troops took the road that Shasta did not, closing his pass to Anvar Shasta, uh, alone in the fog, getting more and more lost in the woods, began to cry out uh, about his misfortune. Uh, then suddenly he could hear that he was not alone. <sighs> 
he could hear a large breathing beside him and he's terrified. He's afraid he'd heard of giants in the north. Then he heard a deep sigh in the darkness and felt warm breath on his hand. Shasta spoke, who are you? And the voice answered that he is one who has been waiting for Shasta for a long time to speak. Shasta asked if he was a giant. And he said, nah, not in the way that you mean it. Uh, Shasta asked if it was a dead thing and then begged it to go away, saying that he was the most unfortunate boy in the world. The thing answered only saying for Shasta to save, uh, to share his troubles. And so Shasta tells him the story of his whole adventure in the end said that he would not call Shasta unfortunately. Shasta asked, how in the world could he say that? Uh, when he'd met so many lions, uh, the thing says that there was only one lion the entire journey, and it was him, that it was only fast of foot. He was speedy. He's he's really good. Uh, and he's like the the one that he, he, the, he is that lion, the one that forced Shasta to join with Erebus and comfort him in, in the houses of the dead and sped up their horses the last mile and may or may not have scratched Erebus in the back. That's not for him to know. Uh, and Shasta asked why it has wounded Erebus. And he said, hey, that's not your story. Shut your mouth. Uh, and he goes, okay. Uh, and Shasta goes, who are you? And he answered, myself, in a voice so deep that the earth shook. And again, uh, myself, in a voice loud and clear and happy. And again, myself, in a whisper so soft, it was almost like the sound of leaves rustling. Shasta was no longer afraid the voice would eat him, though now he trembled at it in a different way. Yet he still felt glad, almost like this voice was not tame, but it was a good voice. Uh, the fog began to lift from black to gray to white, and a golden light fell on them One uh, from one side he thought was the sun, but he turned and saw a lion taller than a horse, and the light was coming from the lion. No one ever saw anything as terrible or beautiful except Galadriel. Luckily, Shasta has grown up too far south in Kalerman to hear tales of a demon in Narnia that took the shape of a large lion, and he also didn't know anything about the true stories of Aslan, the great lion, the son of the emperor over the sea, the king above all high kings in Narnia, and even so... With one, glass, he, with one glance, he slipped out of his saddle and fell at its feet, speechless. The high king above all came, stooped down and licked his forehead, uh, and Shasta looked up and their eyes met, and the swirling mist and fiery light of the lion rolled them together, and poof, he's gone. He disappeared. Sometimes Aslan does that. He uh, can't control him. He's not a tame lion, leaving Shasta and the horse alone on a grassy hillside under a blue sky. Now, the theme of this chapter is teleport to, I mean, explanation, explanation. Similar, similar things. Similar uh, sounds. Man, we, but, so uh, we come upon Shasta. Uh, he is, he's running. This is his little moment where yeah. we, you know, we cut back to him after he's left the hermit's hut uh, and he's Flashback. running. Shasta running. Shasta running. Uh, this is, it's a good time. Uh, and he, he goes, he had nothing to think about now, no plans to make. He had only to run, and that was quite enough. His limbs were shaking, a terrible stitch was beginning in his side, and a sweat that kept dropping into his eyes blinded him and made them smart. He was unsteady on his feet, too, and more than once he nearly turned his ankle on a loose stone. This is how I feel, like, at the end of, like, anytime I'm running, I'm like, just keep going. We're going to make it. At this point, this is how I feel when I get up a flight of stairs, when I get <laughs> out of my car too quickly. When I have to walk across a parking lot, this is just how I feel nowadays. Man. Maybe we maybe we need to work out more, man. That's tough. Uh, but you're telling me. You're telling me, man. But so he's running and he's exhausted. He's covered with flies, but he can't worry about that now. He's got too much to do. And then suddenly he heard he hears a horn, but not like the horns of Tash, but a merry horn. Like, uh, that's more or less my impression of the uh the sound that you know c.s lewis writes in here uh, to right. row to toho uh 
Um, but uh, he looks up and he sees a crowd of 15 or 20 guys just chilling in their green hunting dress. And in the middle was, uh, uh, was, was a man who was the jolliest and fattest and most apple-cheeked, twinkling-eyed king you could Santa! <laughs> like, this is, like, I feel like they should have made King Loon, like, real, like, majestic and imposing. Nope, they made him real like Robert Baratheon. Here. Are you uh, are you fat shaming him, Kel? I'm not. I'm just reading what they called him. <laughs> yeah, they did call him a fat, jolly, twinkling eyed king, uh, which he seems super chill. He also, seems super chill. How long was this run? This feels like they were very close the entire time and they could have just rode their horses the rest of the way. Maybe, but I like to think that Shasta uh, got some real, um, you know, Elijah on top of the mountain vibes, and he just began to have super speed and ran way further uh, than people thought he could. Yes, he um, the speed force. and The speed force, yes, he turned into the Flash. Uh, and But as soon as the king sees Shasta, he's super pumped, and he's like, Corin, my boy, my son, what are you doing here? And on foot. In rags. Not corn. We met in Tashban. Also, he says hi. <laughs> like, does he? Like, I mean, he said that if he's ever in Archon Land to go to his father and tell him that you're friends, but he didn't like say hi to his dad. It. Right. Yes and no. Just it's not, like, more information than necessary, but also I feel like C.S. Lewis had to remind the readers that corn was a person um, earlier. And they also look the same, which is peculiar, wouldn't you say? Weird, but it, we're not so, going to be sure until we, we see whether or not he can ride a horse, Cal. Yes, yeah, so they have this conversation where basically Shasta, uh, through you know gasping and panting, tells them that you know Rabidash and his 200 horses are uh, marching upon uh, Archon Land, and uh, he says, I've seen them with my own eyes, I've raced them on foot. Uh, and all the like hunting gentlemen are like, mm-hmm, okay, all right then. Um, we've got a runner, a track star. Uh, and so uh, they're like, he's like, you ran this whole way? And he's like, well, you know, the part of the way, the, the, the horses are with the hermit. Like, I guess the, he's like, yeah, you know, the hermit of the Southern March, Hans of the Southern Isles, uh, he's going with it. Uh, and King Loon is like, I know that this guy's telling the truth. I could see it in his face. Spare a horse for him. It's almost uh, like and, his face looks a little bit like my face. So he's yeah, more trustworthy. Probably thinner and younger. Uh, without a beard. Without a beard. He's not as jolly as I am. Uh, but um, they, like, Shasta's nervous because, you know, he has, he, you know, he's got to make a good impression. But dude mounts a horse like a nobleman, I guess. And everyone's wow. like, Wow. Uh, like this dude knows how to mount a horse. He's got to have noble blood or, you know, he's ridden a horse before. Uh, yeah. But we'll... Bree, Bree taught him well, I guess. Uh, well, he taught him mostly well. There's some things he didn't really teach him how to do with a normal horse. Yeah. Like how to actually ride, not just. Sure. <laughs> but he knows how to mount. Uh, it becomes a, a problem good thing. later. And then uh, it says the king stared hard at Shasta again with a curious expression, almost a hungry expression in his steady gray eyes. And we've already mentioned that this dude is a large guy and he's, you know, he's jolly. Yeah. Also, why do we have to use the word hungry to describe a large person looking at That seems seems unnecessary here. 
Come on, C.S. Uh, Lewis. Come on, C.S. Lewis. That's messed up. Uh, but uh, Shasta Mountain, you know, he his seat was excellent, but he didn't really know what to do with the reins or with his feet because Bree was like, do not touch the reins. I will leave us because he's, you know, he's Bree. And so he doesn't really know what to do. So he's like, ah, hopefully the horse just follows everyone else. And he does for a while, which is great. Yeah. Uh, but also not quickly. And the horse can very clearly tell that Shasta is not someone who he's going to have to like actually deal with and just says what he wants. Yeah, he's just going to follow at the back. He's chilling. He's he's going to do his thing. He doesn't have to run as hard as he would have before. Uh, you know, the air is better here. He can breathe again. He's not like, you know, running on his legs the whole time. But then Chase, just like we mentioned last chapter, a fog starts rolling in. It did come to pass. This thing did have significance. Uh, but it's okay, Kel, because Shasta had always wanted to see the inside of a cloud. He just and didn't expect it to be this dark or wet. Who would have thought that a cloud, I mean, this is a very kid thing, right? You, you know, you always picture clouds and you're like, oh man, I bet it's fluffy and like, it's really fun and light. Clouds are water. Clouds are just a big, like, collection of water in the sky. But and also, I don't, maybe it's just because I live in Texas and haven't dealt with that much fog. But, like, I, I've seen fog before. Have you ever heard of a fog this dense, Cal? Like, a fog that makes it nighttime? I mean, I could, I can, I can imagine it. This like, feels more like smoke at this point. Well, it's, it's a, I mean, it's a cloud. So, it's like, you gotta imagine, it's thick. Like, it's, I mean, and it's, it's, have you, I mean, if you've ever driven a plane through a cloud and, like, you've looked outside, like, you can't really see anything. I mean, when I take my plane out for a drive, sure, I can As usually like, I, I get the light gray or like even like dense gray, but like it has to be pretty dang dense to be pitch Lock black, out all light. no light. Like that's fair. Again, but cloud device, but maybe it's a storm cloud. May, but then why isn't it just raining? Maybe it's not doesn't want to chase. Maybe it's maybe. tired. Maybe Shasta got swallowed by a cloud-shaped whale and <laughs> been there for three days to meet with God. Maybe you should just ignore it, okay? Just let him be. He's in a cloud. It's dark. I just want to know how the rules of the world work. Don't we all, Chase? Don't we all? <laughs> so Shasta, he's in the dark cloud. Can't see anything. Uh, and the horse is like, sweet. Now is my opportunity to do nothing. Because they can't see anyone. He can't follow anything. He's like, well... Can't move faster. And uh, Bree doesn't know how to like spur a horse on. He doesn't have spurs. He doesn't have shoes. Uh, and so he's just chilling. Uh, I love the he, moment when he's just like, if you don't speed up, I'll, I'll jam my heels into you like Bree told me not to. Then he tries it and the horse is like, okay, I'll go a little bit and then just gives up. And then, and then he like, walks again. But so then they're just chilling. So they're just walking for a long time. Uh, and he's like, well, I suppose like Shasta's like, I can't even, you know, I, I can't do anything at this point. Like we were following the horn and, you know, the crowd, but can't hear the horn anymore. Um, I suppose a walk will get us somewhere. Uh, and that's true. A walk will get you somewhere. Uh, but who knows where, um, and another it, army that just suddenly got all the way from the river to Anvard in like a second. So here's the thing. He hears the the army of Rabidash approaching, 
Uh, and he comes upon a fork in a road. Obviously, there has to be a fork in a road decisions. Uh, how else are you going to know? I can actually see if it's in a yellow wood because of the cloud. Yeah. How else are you going to know uh, that a character is forced to, you know, make a decision unless there's a literal fork in the road. Um, but so he, he goes, if I take one, Rabidash may take the other. But if I stay at the crossroads, I'm sure to be caught. So he just picks the right road. Uh, He's not wrong. That, that's true. That was fair enough logic. Sure. I don't know how helpful it is. At yeah, least the part about like ends the, up on the wrong road. Sure. Like. The choosing one and Rabidash choosing the other, like, yeah, that could happen. The you also yeah, you, if you stay, you'll for sure get caught. Uh, you know, if I should I stay or should I go? If I stay, it'll be trouble. If I go, it'll be double, maybe. Uh, so he picks the right hand road, walks through, and then hears uh, Rabidash go halt, attend, everyone, listen to me. I'm important, uh, and he goes, remember your orders. Don't kill anyone in Narnia. However, Archenland, fair game. Kill everyone you can. Men, boys, even the, the, the boy who was just born yesterday, you can feel free to kill them. But everything else, divide as you please. The women, the gold, the jewels, the weapons, and the wine. Uh, motto I live by. Uh, so he's just like, hey, split it all up. And, uh, you know, Anyone who uh, doesn't follow these orders, I'll burn alive in the name of Tash, the irresistible, the inexorable forward. Uh, and luckily, they go to the left because the evil people always go to the left and the good guys always go to the right. Yes. To the right, to the right, the right, the right, the right. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah, it it was interesting that he put Narnia off limits. Just for now, they'll have their moment to be able to go back through and destroy that place. But well, it, it's interesting that he even mentions Narnia because they haven't even gone through Archenland yet. Like, like it's not like Narnia and Archenland are like, like, like Caraparavel isn't next door neighbors to Anvard. Like, they've still got a long time before they even get to Narnia. I think he can tell them about Narnia later. But yeah, whatever. It, it definitely. Seems like he's getting ahead of himself, but he's also pretty convinced that they're going to have conquered this kingdom within an hour. So it's a, uh, I don't know. It's fine. It's whatever. Keep marching. Just keep swimming or uh, running. Um, yeah, it's a. Uh, it is what it is. But as uh, Shasta said, you know, this road is bound to go somewhere, and C.S. Lewis lets us know. But that all depends on what you mean by somewhere. Yeah. Somewhere is true, but is it somewhere that you really want to go? Because it just seems to get more dark. Uh, there's more and more trees. It's more and more cold. Uh, so is it somewhere that you really want to be? This is like yeah. the answer that I give to like students when we're on like a bus ride to camp or something like that, uh, where they're like, are we there yet? And I'm like, yeah, we are there. And they're like, like at camp. I'm like, no, 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 we're there. Like define where there is. Like, it's like, yeah, we're somewhere. Yeah, we're, we're but, in Vermont, Texas. Yeah, we're just not where you want to be. Uh, and so feels the air getting a little thinner, it's colder. And C.S. Lewis is like, if he had been used to mountain country, he would have realized that this meant he was now very high up, perhaps right at the top of the mountain. But Shasta didn't know anything about mountains. Man. You have a dunk on Shasta again. That's the exact setting that he needed to be for 
the, uh, mm. the biblical allegory that he's supposed to be acting out. The transfiguration of the cat. Yes. Yes. Where, transfiguration. Yes. Uh, and so he, he's like, he, he's looking around and he's like, I think that I've got to be the most unfortunate guy that has ever lived. Uh, everything goes right for everyone else besides me. Which, like, to his point, not inaccurate. Yeah. People don't even have shoes. I mean... Get him some shoes. And in general, this was a very, like, clear, relatable, like, internal moment for Shasta. Oh, yeah. Like, Absolutely. That that realization, like, one more thing went wrong. Yep. And that was the breaking point. That was the straw the camel, that broke the camel's back. And he just collapses. And I think it's really interesting that that's where Aslan meets him. Given, again, as we've said many a time, that Aslan is the Jesus of this story, that it takes Shasta falling apart to realize that Aslan has been there the whole time. Um, it's like, it's almost like if they had been on a beach, but then he looked back and realized that there were only four paw prints instead of six. I hate it. I thought it was pretty solid. It's really funny. I just, that's always like the cheesiest thing. It's like, I've been, I've been with you all along. It's so good. But uh, I mean, that is kind of the point of this chapter. It's much right. more meaningful and like emotionally rich than that. But uh, right. So he, you know, Shasta is like, everyone else is getting there. They like the Narnians have escaped. King Loon is on, like, he's good. Erebus and the horses are chilling at the hermit's hut. I'd like to chill at the hermit's hut. Like, everyone's good except me. He starts to cry. And then the only thing that puts a stop to his emotion is more emotion, but a different one. It's fear because he hears some breathing, some dark, heavy breathing from a thing that is obviously large in comparison to him. Uh, and he's like, oh, man, I've heard of like giants existing in Narnia. Could this be a giant? Uh, and he just keeps calling it the thing, which is a Marvel superhero uh, who also gets a lot of hate for being large, um, which is just real unfortunate. Yeah. Uh, I mean, this chapter has a lot of uh, large shaming. Yeah, it's messed but up. But uh, he, he hears, hears breathing. Yeah, he hears breathing. And finally, Aslan just gets tired of waiting and lets out a big <sighs> sigh. <laughs> it's, it says that it, like he releases a sigh, which is so funny. Uh, and Shasta feels the breath on his hand, which yeah. how close is as, I, I don't know. Aslan was in him the whole time. Anyways, uh, yeah. He, who, Aslan who lets out you? a big, deep sigh. Shasta feels the warm breath on his hand. And who are you? Says, yeah, who are you? And Aslan just has to be cryptic as all So cryptic. And it's like, I am one who's been waiting for you to speak. It's like... For a long time. Okay, yeah, that doesn't help. Who, who are you? Because. Are you a giant? Are you a dead thing? I love, like, again, this is, Aslan is unnecessarily cryptic here. He goes, okay. are you a giant? He goes, you might call me a giant, but I'm not like the creatures that you call giants. Okay, thanks for Everyone confirming that you are large. God, God can only speak in riddles, Kel. 
It's the, the only way to communicate. Parables and questions. How else do you expect Jesus to answer? Uh, and he goes, I can't see you at all. Are you, you're not something dead, are you? Oh, please go away. And then he breathes on him. He goes, that is not the breath of a ghost. One, uh, how would he know? Like, sure. Sure. Fair I mean, point. I guess. But, but also would have loved a funny, like, very cryptic. Shasta wouldn't get it. No, I am one who is risen. Ooh, and then God's not dead. Six pops onto the screen. You, <laughs> God's not dead. He's surely alive. He's a lion in Narnia, chasing some children. It's God's not dead. Six. We bought a zoo. <laughs> I love it. This is a uh, Warner Brothers. Get on this. Uh, we're we're for it. Um, can, but can he goes, this LeBron is James play Aslan as the king? Ooh, love it. Or LeBron uh, I'm sure James that in a fat suit plays King Lude. Mm, yeah. I would watch that movie. I think, I think everyone would, but then, you know, a lot of LeBron haters are going to, you know, make fake IMDb accounts so that they can leave bad reviews about it. Well, uh, every good movie. So, uh, so I mean, as goes, you have a woman director, Kel. I mean, you can't really stop that. That's true. I mean, people are just the worst. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we we just we just need to stop sucking as like humans. Yeah. Uh, but all I say, yeah. All I say, Aslan says, "This is not the breath of the ghost." Tell me your sorrows, and Shasta's like, "Okay," and he just tell, he's no longer sad, I guess, but he just. Tells everything about, you know, not knowing his uh, father. But I'll never know my father. And then he tells him about his escape uh, and from the lions. And the, and it's just been terrible. Uh, and, you know, it's been so tired. Now he just talked about how the lion chased them away from, uh, like, into the garden. And, you know, Erebus is wounded. And he's really hungry. And then Aslan, who we don't know is Aslan yet, uh, says, I don't call you unfortunate. And Charles is like, what do you mean? Don't you think it was bad luck to meet so many lions? Like, and the voice goes, there was only one. It's like, what on earth do you mean? I've just told you there were at least two the first night. And there was only one. He was swift on foot. He's very fast and really good looking. Dumbledore in the first yes. Harry Potter movie now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Curious. <laughs> Mr. Potter. Uh, that was more Ollivander. But um, he goes, yes, uh, there was only one, but he was swift on foot and really good looking. He was a very handsome lion, uh, very strong. You'd be very impressed with him if you ever met him, which you did. How do you know? Uh, so Shasta says, how do you know this? And he goes, I was the lion. I was the lion that forced you to join Erebus and the one that comforted the cat that comforted you among the tombs, the lion that drove the jackals away. I was the lion who, you know, gave you strength because the horses were terrified of me uh, so that you could reach King Lude in time. And I, and here's the real spoiler chase. Here's the crazy part. I was the lion that you don't remember that pushed the boat with a little boy close to death so that your uh, fisherman, uh, like caretaker, could find you. Wow. This is just the end of Harry Potter. This is the end of Harry Potter for sure. But, yeah. like, I'm, you know, we're making light of this. This is like, this is a cool moment from Aslan where he's like, all this time I was the lion that you met. Like that was, it's been me all the time. We, you know, there's a he lot of weird the, implications from this. 
theologically. There, there's only two lions in Narnia, as we know. La- Aslan? One of those lions has got to be pretty old by now. If Tumnus mm-hmm. is wearing glasses now, this lion's got to at least have real glasses instead of a drawn-on mustache. Yeah, he's got gray fur at least. Like, he's... But Definitely Aslan, not fast enough to be in 10 places at once. Definitely not. But he's us lions. Hear that? Uh, it could have been him in the other... Like, But no, Aslan, as opposed to giving credit to his lion friends, like, nope, it was me all the time. I didn't recruit any lion friends. Uh, it's just been me. Uh, but it is a cool moment where Aslan's like, no, I'm the one who's been pushing you on. Every time that you thought like you were straying from the path, I moved you back on the path. Every time you didn't think you could keep going, I pushed you for Every time you were scared, I was there to comfort you and protect you. And when you were close to death as a baby, I'm the one that brought you into life. I protected you always. Uh, and then like, was like, wow, wow. This is so cool. Aslan's awesome. What a protector. He's he's great. He would never... Do- Hold on. Um, was it you then who wounded Erebus? He goes, it was. And he's like, well, what for? And he's like, that's not your story. Don't ask about her. Who Don't ask about you? Thing? Yeah. Did I, I'm the one that provided for you in the boat. And you're going to be disrespectful to me like this? How dare you? You know what? No we, more stories We don't talk about her. We She's- don't talk about her here. I was that little girl. I was that little girl and Aslan. I scratched my own back. <laughs> yeah, it uh I'm I'm sure we'll get some insight to Erevis later on. Sure. This is not the moment, but it does feel a little bit aggro just to be like, look, I'm telling you your story, not hers. So how about you back off? And like Shasta's like, my bad, bro. I was just, you know, yeah, putting yeah. two and two together. You and- scratched a girl in the back. Yeah, in reality, C.S. Lewis is trying to do like a uh, Peter asking about, or was it John? Peter. Yeah, Peter asking about John at the whenever uh, yeah, Jesus reveals himself on the beach. Uh, Peter, like like Jesus goes, like you know, uh, some of you may not taste death uh, until uh, I'm back, and he's like referring to John, and Peter's like, "Do you you talking about John?" Uh, who they've always had like a little bit of a rivalry, uh, you know, Peter and John. Um, because John is faster than Peter in a foot race. But the only way that we know that is because John wrote it. And John also calls himself the beloved disciple, even I though he also that. recognizes that Peter is the one that Jesus is going to build his church on. Uh, so there's like, there's a little something. So Peter's like, you talking about, talking about John, he's going to survive. And, P- and Jesus is like, don't matter. Don't ask about him. I'm talking to you. Like, you think I'm, you think I care? Uh, and, and it's like, okay, might be. Uh, but, Shasta goes, who are you? And Aslan goes, myself. <laughs> myself. Myself. And he whispers the last one for yeah. fun. It's, uh, it reads a lot cooler than it's acted. Because the first <laughs> time he says myself, it's in a voice like a so roar. deep that the earth shook. Yeah. Then he says myself in a voice that's, Loud and clear and gay, like happy, uh, joyful voice. And then again, he says myself in whispers so soft that it's like the sound of leaves rustling, which what what do you think this means? Like, what is the what's the symbolism that's trying to be communicated here? Because it's very just kind of thrown out there and skated by. Here's the thing with the, the the volume is interesting. 
but I think the significance is like, this is him. This is his like Moses in the burning bush. Like who should I say sent me? I am that I am. I think this is that moment where he's oh, like, yeah. it's I am that. myself. And then he repeats it three times, which is always going to be significant. You know, three is always like a biblical uh, sign of like fulfillment. It's a perfect number. It's, it's solid. Like, I think there's significance there. He's trying to just make it very obvious that he's Aslan. Um, he is, you know, the ruler. Why it's loud and then like earth shaking loud and then like loud and clear as like a projecting a voice and then like a whisper. I have no clue. Like I mean, if I learned anything from preaching, it's if you start really loud and then talk softly, it makes a point. lean in. Um, but yeah, I, I feel like the whisper so soft. It's like the sound of leaves rustling is the, is an Elijah reference. Like, uh, God is in the, it's in the wind. Was the, the fire or the earthquake? Like it could be. I, I, I feel mean, like that was that part. I don't know. I feel like it's just supposed to be like a, I am all and in all kind of deal, but sure. I don't he know. has I felt like there should be something there other than just the the I am thing, but yep. I can't quite put a finger on it outside of the still small voice. Sure. It's it is what it is. But so Shasta is no longer afraid of the voice because he's like, oh, this is a good voice. Uh because but a new and a different sort of trembling came over him, yet he felt glad too. And then Mr. Beaver uh, comes back uh, from behind the tree and he goes, he's not a tame lion. He's good. That's... So everybody is Dumbledore in this book. Right? <laughs> yes. They're all, they're all a uh, first Dumbledore. Yeah. They're uh, all the original, the OG Dumbledore. Correct. Yes. Um, and so uh, this is, I feel like you just got to make reference to him, but uh, as soon as this happens, the mist starts lifting and it's getting lighter and lighter progressively until a golden light falls on them. And he thought it was the sun, but he turns and he sees just a lion that's taller than a horse and the light come from the lion, not from the sun. No one ever saw anything more terrible or beautiful. Cal, in that place, there is no sun because the light comes from the lion himself. Mm. And there Does is the river of life also flow from the lion? Yes, because there is no sea. Correct. Because Except for the sea been defeated. that leads to, to the land of uh, the, the emperor beyond the sea. But at this point, you're, you're beyond the sea. Don't worry about that. It's fine. I mean, if you get to the very end of the sea, there's a really big wave. And then if you go over the wave, then uh, I don't know what happens there. But Reaper Chief does. But we'll get to that next book. Yeah. Um, but this is. Uh, it's a really cool description. I, I like this, right? That this is like, this is showing the divinity of Aslan. Like light is like sourced from him and he is scary, but he's also beautiful and like holy. And like, this is, it's yeah, a, it's yeah. a good, you know, uh, when we are referring to the Jesus Aslan metaphors, this is a really solid, uh, yeah. like way to parallel this. This is the glory cloud, which if you are a Bible person, in the Transfiguration, the disciples go up on a mountain, as Shasta has, and a cloud descends over the mountain, and that's where Jesus is transfigured, and his face shines like the sun. Like, that's 
that's where this all happens. There's a lot of other stuff going on there, but this is a pretty direct, like one-to-one kind of comparison that C.S. Lewis is trying to make for Aslan here. Uh, the the glory cloud on the mountain is a very tried and true biblical picture. Mm-hmm. And so what's cool is immediately after this, um, we see this, we get a really interesting description of Shasta's relation to Aslan. So he's saying Shasta's basically coming in to this experience with Aslan with no biases uh, attached to him. Uh, he he didn't grow up. He didn't really grow up in like the heart of Kalerman, where he's hearing about the demon lion. Uh, you know that they worship that the Narnians worship, and he also didn't grow grow up like with like Narnian stories about like Aslan, the great, the or like the son of the emperor beyond the sea, the king above all high kings. He he's coming in with no awareness or biases of who Aslan is or what he's like. It says, but after one glance at the lion's face, he slipped out of the saddle and fell at its feet. He couldn't say anything, but then he didn't want to say anything. And he knew he needn't say anything. It's just really cool where he's like, the only thing that he can do upon seeing Aslan and experiencing him is worship. There's there's nothing else he knows how to do. And um, there's nothing else that matters. He recognizes that this is what I need to do. Regardless of it, he's never heard a story of him. He knows that this is what is good and true and he sits down and worships and i was like i just think that's really cool like coming in with no biases for reference for the picture that's happening here go read revelation chapter one indeed uh but super cool um and then uh you know like aslan uh he leans over and it's it's a weird way to phrase this. It says his, like he smells good. He's got this like delicious perfume and it's in his mane. And then he goes, it touched his forehead with its tongue, which is a weird way to say he licked his forehead. Uh, but <laughs> Jesus is demonstrating like a like he's like poking uh, like. He's poking Shasta with his tug. Uh, it, it's but what my uh, it's what my puppy does when he wants to bite me but knows he's not supposed to bite me is just jab his nose at me with his mouth just open enough to get like the tip of his tongue and teeth on me but sure. not actually put his mouth around me because but, he knows that he's not supposed to do that yeah so aslan licks his head his forehead and then their eyes meet and then instantly brightness and fiery brightness consumes them both in a swirl of glory and Aslan's gone and he, uh, you know, but apparently he also transported uh, Shasta to a grassy hillside under a blue sky, not on top of a mountain anymore. Um, and I didn't get that Shasta was transported too, but he might've been. Well, <laughs> I have no it, clue. earlier in the chapter, <laughs> it says <laughs> earlier in the chapter, it says that they were on the highest, like the highest part of the mountain. I mean, sounds great. I'm all four shots to being teleported too. I don't know where. Uh, maybe he didn't. Maybe they just he just made everything look different. I don't know. But um, all the all to say, Aslan he comes and goes as he pleases. Uh, sometimes right in the middle of a conversation. Yeah. Well, he they didn't Shasta didn't need him anymore. He's this uh, is the own. master of the Irish goodbye. Dude knows how to work it. 
Oh yeah, he went full Scott Fraser at the end of uh, his time in student ministry. Q, uh, Q Kingsley Shacklebolt, you got to admit, Minister, he's got style. I mean, the picture really does kind of feel like a Dumbledore, uh, like just scuba fire. It, I, I'm, I'm on board. I'm buying it. I'm, I'm for it, but. That's how the chapter ends uh, with, uh, you know, Shasta alone on a hillside now and really confused, I'm sure, because Aslan just teleported himself out of there. Uh, Chase, do you have anything else before we dive further up and further in? Uh, I think I'm good. How about you start us off then? Sounds like a plan. So for my further up and further in on this chapter, uh, I just wanted to talk about the idea of providence and if you're not a religious person uh, and don't know that word well, providence is basically the idea that uh, time and lives and things are provided for, so providence provided uh, by God. So like that there, it's kind of the idea of fate uh, or the idea that uh, there is a larger hand guiding your life. It's the unseen, invisible hand of God, if you will. And uh, Aslan in this chapter basically goes to Shasta and says, Hey, you thought you were on this random, chaotic journey, but actually, I was guiding you the whole time. I was the one who made sure that you and Erevis and when cross paths, I'm the one who made sure that you got where you needed to go. I'm the one who was protecting you in the night and scaring away danger. I'm even the one who was there when you were born and uh, making sure that you survived the journey to be found by your not father. Like he basically says like the reason you're here, the reason all this has transpired is not chance, but it's because I made sure it happened that way. And the implication there is that like Aslan has been with him the whole time and has a larger plan that he's playing out here. Um, but the idea of providence is something that kind of transcends all human storytelling, uh, whether it is the ancient Greeks ideal of fate and the fates or if it's uh, your more modern storytelling, you could even, uh, I'm not going to spoil Loki, but if you have seen the show Loki and have seen the last episode of the show Loki, it's even wrapped up in there, right? Uh, basically the idea that there is a larger plan at play here that is making sure that things work out. Um, it's why prophecy works in a lot of traditional storytelling, and it's a big theme within the biblical narrative, uh, is providence and that God is guiding all things to their right conclusion, which again, C.S. Lewis, Christian writer, Christian allegory, uh, is trying to communicate through here that God had a plan for Shasta and that even though he didn't see it while it was happening, it was happening, and so hindsight is twenty twenty in that sense. Yeah, um, I love it. Mine is related, uh, and it's this idea of epiphany or revelation of true self, right? So this idea of an epiphany, we generally think of like 
oh, this aha moment where we're, you know, coming to a conclusion. Um, but the way that, you know, we want to use this here is the revelation of like a true nature. This is, uh, you know, if you think of the Jesus story, either him with the wise men, uh, them discovering, oh, this is the true king. Or better yet, as Chase mentioned earlier, the transfiguration. This is when Peter, James, and John go onto the top of a of the mountain with Jesus, and he shows them his glory. Right? He is this. He's not just this uh, earthly teacher, but he is this divine uh, being. He is glorious and holy, and that's what we see at the Aslan. He's saying, "Hey, I am the one who is with you." The, all the lions you've seen, that's been me. It's a revelation of like, hey, I've been with you, but also look at my true character, my true nature. It's this idea of uh, of revealing true nature. This is, uh, spoiler alert for the end of Harry Potter, if you've never read or watched those, but um, at the end, uh, when Harry Potter has sacrificed his life and he's in King's Cross Station, this ethereal realm, uh, not the actual King's Cross, but kind of a an in-between place he meets Dumbledore there and they kind of have a conversation about Dumbledore's plan and he reveals all of these characteristics of himself it's this idea that it's he's revealing true nature it, it comes near the end of a fictional story where you know the character is going to get to learn a little bit about what the truth actually is in a situation and has this um this extra knowledge to be able to go into the final battle the final scene uh knowing uh that they have this this wisdom this truth that'll allow them to to succeed to move forward uh because they've had this epiphany of this special revelation of the true character of the true nature of the you know person they were serving. Uh, and that's what we see a lot here. And this is going to allow Shasta to move forward in confidence through the next few chapters in the end of this book. Um, and it's something we see, you know, with Jesus and, you know, he, he reveals himself to us so that we can move forward, that we can know who he is so that we can, you know, make it, make our way through uh, the rest of, of life with him. Uh, but Chase, yeah. There's only ever been there's only ever been one podcast. It's no matter how many podcasts you've listened to, it was it was just ours. Yeah. And there are no other podcasts. You if you have listened to other podcasts, the FBI is on their way now. It was just ours. It was just our podcast all along. And um and with that, I'd you know, the way that you can help this one podcast uh is to share this one podcast with your friends, uh tell them that they can find it in anywhere uh, that podcasts are found, Spotify, Audible, Apple Podcasts, wherever, uh, and that you can give this one podcast a five-star rating, uh, just the amount of claws that uh, you know a, a lion has on each paw uh, that could dig into your back. Uh, give it a five-star rating uh, and let us know. Uh, give us, Leave us some comments about how this one podcast is the only podcast you'll ever listen to ever again. Uh, and go follow this one podcast. Uh, Instagram and at the Chronicles of Podcast. Uh, that'll allow you to stay up to date with things that we're doing and when we're posting. And uh, you can leave us some uh, comments and let us know how we're doing. Uh, but until then, we're out in a cloud of glory and fire. Just do go home. <laughs> <laughs> And it works. Yeah. <clears throat> Harry and the Hendersons reference <clears throat> in the podcast is going to be a problem. Totally. Let's see.
Um, we don't want you anymore. 